0: The reading is Acts 20, verses 17 to 38, and can be found on page 1117 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia? I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that you must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, among you, none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you tonight, each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Rosie, thank you very much uh, for reading that. Um, we're going to spend a few minutes looking at it, so uh, let's pray uh, as we do so. Heavenly Fathers, we come now to the word of your grace. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would teach us through it. Uh, and you would challenge us through it, and you would help us to see how we keep going in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, can anyone tell me uh, who has said these words recently? I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody I will tell till the whole world is healed. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store, from the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus saved me, now I'm sane. Any ideas? Kanye West. You know, who would have thought I'd be quoting Kanye West in a sermon a few months ago? But here I am doing it. Uh, Kanye West, if you don't know, he is a, a rapper who makes a lot of money, uh, married to one of the Kardashians, um, and he has become a Christian. And don't worry, let me just say straight off: now a famous person become Christian. I'm not going to keep quoting them. Okay, this is a one-off because uh, as I've been listening to his album, as I've been listening to interviews he's done. It struck me that isn't this what we've been seeing in Acts as we've been going through this term? We've seen unlikely people turning to the Lord Jesus because God is in charge of the spread of the gospel. And when those new disciples are saved, they speak boldly of Jesus. And we've said all along that that is still happening today. And then God in his goodness gives us this public, in-your-face example of it happening. If you don't believe me, go and listen to some of the stuff um, that Kanye West is currently saying. It really is a great testimony to the way that God can change someone's life. It is still happening today. People are still coming to believe in the Lord. Jesus, as we said right at the start, is still establishing his kingdom. And Acts 20 picks up on that account of Jesus establishing his kingdom uh, in the early church. We're at the end uh, of uh, Paul's three missionary journeys. We've been looking at them over the last uh, three weeks. Uh, And if you've been with us, you have seen that they are journeys where people respond in faith to the Lord Jesus. Churches are planted because Jesus is still establishing his kingdom. But actually, as we come to the end of these three journeys, it's not an account of people being converted. In fact, this is the only speech in Acts which is given to an exclusively Christian audience. It's like Luke, the writer, is saying, We're coming to the end uh, of this pioneering work of Paul. I want you to see how these churches are going to continue. And he does that by recording this speech to the Ephesian elders. If you, if you close your Bibles, do open them up again. Page one, 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 seven. Acts chapter twenty. Because we we'll need, we'll need to look at this great speech, and it is a great speech. It shows that that Paul's primary concern for these new church leaders isn't about the the church structures. It's not about the the worship services. Not even about what conferences to attend. It's about pastoral ministry. His concern is for people's faith that they would keep going in Jesus to the very end. And so the main bulk of his speech is is Paul telling the elders to copy these repeated themes um, of his ministry. But in the middle, uh, as we'll see uh, in verses 28 to 31, he gives them a charge, an exhortation uh, of what they can uh, can do. But if we think about that that main bulk to start with, we we can see... Uh, That he wants um, them to uh, recall uh, what uh, he has been doing. Look at the the phrases like, uh, you know how I lived, verse 18. You know that I have not, verse 20. Remember that for three years, verse 31, I showed you verse 35. It is, is see what I have done. Because this is the, the model to follow. So it's Paul's model of ministry. Uh, And we'll see that firstly in verses 18 to 27. Paul's model of ministry, verses 18 to 27. Uh, And there's several ways we could look uh, at this section. Uh, If you notice, there's the fact that Paul talks about the past in verses 18 to 21, the future in verses 22 to 24, uh, and now in verses 25 to 27. Well, we could go through this uh, section and cross-reference things he's talked about while he was in uh, Ephesus, which you can read about in, in Acts 19, as uh, he spent the time there and planted the church. Uh, and both are good things to do. You may want to go and do them later. But I want us tonight uh, to focus on the themes that he picks up on. Because on seeing those themes, we see the big emphasis that he has regarding his ministry. That's the emphasis that he wants these church leaders Uh, to copy. Uh, And and the first of those themes is centered around proclaiming God's word. That word that he says in verse 32 builds up and gives inheritance. So just just scan through that section and you'll see we have the word preach. Preach anything that would be helpful, verse 20. We have the words teach or, or taught as it is in verse 20. We have declare to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God, verse 21. We have that he will be testifying to the gospel of God's grace in verse 24. We have preaching the kingdom in verse 25. And in verse 27, we have proclaim the whole counsel of God. Five different words in English, four in the original Greek, all about the same thing. Getting people to hear about Jesus through the words. You see in verse 21 that Paul was desperate for people to turn to God in repentance and faith. And clearly he knew the way that that would happen is through the proclamation of Jesus through his words. What's Paul's model of ministry? It's a ministry of proclamation. Teaching and declaring and testifying to God's words. Now, what's interesting is, is while Paul was in Ephesus, God did some amazing, extraordinary miracles through him. You can read about them in, in chapter 19, verse 11. And yet, Paul doesn't mention those here. And I think the logical reason why that is, is because the miracles were specific to Paul as an apostle. Whereas the teaching Paul did was a pattern for all church leaders, from the apostles onwards. Because, verse 32, it's the word that builds up and gives inheritance. And it's worth also noticing uh, that it's not just preaching in terms of a sermon that he's talking about. Can you see in verse 20, uh, he went around um, publicly and from house to house So, publicly, it is upfront stuff. Uh, There is that there as well. But house to house, it's it's the small groups, the one to ones, the private conversations that that, that we can all have uh, with the aim of pointing people to Jesus through his words. And and so, even when Paul is moving to a new place, that the Holy Spirit, in verse 23, he tells us, had, had told him that place would involve prison, it would involve hardship. He knows he's still going to continue. Look at verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Can you see Paul's two aims? To finish the race, be a Christian until death or Jesus returns, And to testify to the gospel of God's grace. To keep talking about what God has done in Jesus. Over and over again. It's what Paul emphasizes because it's what he wants to lead us to see as important. Proclaiming and teaching about Jesus through his words. And and can I just say that's why at Platt we give such a focus to the sermon in a service. Or the Bible study in a small group. Because we are convinced, uh, as Paul said, it's the word that builds up and, uh, and keeps us going in that inheritance. Because through that word, we see Jesus. It's the model that Paul laid down. He taught, he preached, he declared, he testified, he proclaimed. And he wants the Ephesian elders to do exactly the same. But there's another theme as well that runs uh, through this this section as well. Uh, And we see from that theme uh, the effort that doing this is going to take. So uh, verse 19, we see humility. In verse uh, 19 again, and in verse 31, we see it's tears. And in verse 23, we see it's hardship. So look at, at verse 19. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and amidst a severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Now again, you can read about the, those plots in, in Acts 19. It was a testing time for Paul. But you kind of get the impression that his tears are less to do with that and more in the respect to how he humbly conducted himself in Ephesus. How, how the, 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 kind of the tears are throwing everything into what he had to do. All his energy, all his emotion, like like that of an actor at the end of a performance, or or the athlete at the end of a, a race, completely spent. Given everything to what they've got to do, he's never given up trying to convince people of who Jesus is and, and how to continue in Him. It, you see, he's not about his personal comfort; it's about eternal salvation. Uh, and I think if we add another one uh, to this list, the innocence from verse twenty-six. I think. That's why he can say that he is innocent of the blood of any of them. Because if any of the Ephesians uh, didn't keep going to the end or didn't turn to Jesus, it's not from a lack of uh, of effort on Paul's part. It's not because he held back uh, anything of himself or anything that he had to say. He's boldly spoken of Jesus. They've got a responsibility to respond and so as we look at this list uh, of Paul's model of ministry that he, he recalls for the Ephesians elders for them to copy, I mean, he's leaving them with a pretty high calling, isn't he? A great privilege and a huge responsibility. But that's not all. Not only has he got his model of ministry, as I said, he, he centers the speech with this charge and exhortation uh, for the leaders in verses 28 to 31. And, and these verses, if you want to uh, picture kind of what, uh, what they're like, they're a bit like uh, an army commander. Uh, it's Remembrance uh, Sunday today. You know, we're, we're remembering um, those who have fought in walls. Well, imagine this is like a, 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 an army commander telling their soldiers what to do to go into battle. Uh, but not the uh, sort of army commander um, that is spent their whole career sitting behind a desk just looking at strategy on bits of paper. This is an army commander who's been there and done it with their soldiers. Uh, And this is his his rallying cry of of what to do. And it comes in, in three commands. Keep watch, verse 28, shepherd, verse 28 again, and be on your guard, verse 31. Look at verse 28 for the first of those two. Keep watch over yourselves, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Do you notice know, in that first part, there's two things to keep watch over. Firstly, yourselves, and then the flock, the church. Now, of course, logically, that, that makes sense. Uh. You need to keep watch over yourselves, uh, as, as church leaders, Paul's saying. You know, it's no good uh, being a leader who's not living out their faith, who's not continuing in Christ. Uh, that's first and foremost if you want to lead others uh, to do the same. Uh, and only when you've got that bit can you then keep watch over the church. But notice that's a, re- a role that's been appointed to them by the Holy Spirit. It's a role like a shepherd's. Now, that's a common picture uh, in the Bible of of God's leaders. Uh, It would be an everyday uh, picture uh, for people of the time. Shepherds leading. Now, if you're at 11.30 service earlier, Tim was taking us through Psalm 23 uh, and talked about the Lord being a shepherd and stole all my illustrations uh, about shepherding um, at the same time. We completely independently came up with them. It's not, you know... Um, or maybe preachers have no imagination between them. I don't know. Um, anyway, I've got a different, a different picture, so we'll at least go with that. Um, uh, shepherds, uh, you know, it's not the kind of shepherds that you imagine as you're going around, uh, wandering around the Peak District, uh, you know, nice dry stone walls, uh, you know, as they actually just whistle a sheepdog to do all the hard work and then go back to their their warm farmhouse once the work is done. You know, shepherding uh, in these times meant you spent all your time with the sheep. You had to lead them uh, to the little bits uh, of green pasture there was, so that they, would, they could be fed. You had to protect them from the, the wild animals that would come. They weren't your sheep. They were, you were looking after them for someone else. And so it was a responsibility on you to spend your time amongst uh, these sheep, feeding them, protecting them. And that's the image that that Paul is is conjuring up here, feeding and protecting. Why? Well, firstly, because like those shepherds of the day, the sheep don't belong to the shepherds. The sheep belong to Jesus. Verse 28 says he paid the great price of his blood to buy them. Think of the responsibility Paul is giving on these leaders. To look after something that's owned by gods. To feed them. And also to protect them. Protect them because of what verses 29 and 30 say. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Paul, he needs to give this warning to the Ephesian elders. There will be, not not there might, there will be false teachers within the church. People who distort that word that Paul's proclaimed. People who try to gather their own followers rather than followers of Christ. Church history is full of examples of it. It's something we know that happened. I mean, Revelation uh, 2, verses 4 and 5, where Jesus talks to the church of Ephesus. Read it later. Perhaps they'd even started to go down that way. It's a real warning. It happens. False teachers come up. And so leaders must protect the church from these false teachers challenging and correcting the false teachers but also teaching the rest of the church almost standing as a uh, as a barrier between uh, the people and the false teachers say no listen to what god has to say follow christ it's a threat that can come at any time Uh, And perhaps when uh, people are least expecting it, there's there's no time for complacency. I think that's why Paul says, be on your guard. There's no time to not be watching out for these things. You see, as we look at these words, again, it's a great privilege that's been given to these leaders to look after this church, this flock that Jesus has born, uh, that, that Paul has planted. It's a responsibility, feed and protect Feed with God's words. Protect them uh, from the false teaching. And and I think Paul sees that huge responsibility. And that's why in verse 32, he commits them to God. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. See, he knows ultimately only God can do that work in and through them. And I don't know about you, but you might expect that the speech would end there. Committing them to, to God seems a good place to end. But actually, Paul has one final piece of his ministry model that he wants them to remember. So if we come back to our list, there's one more that he wants to add to that right-hand side. And it comes in verse 35. says, so words, hard work. Verse 31, Paul said he spent night and day warning them. It is a big effort. And from verse 33, he, he talks to them about he paid his own way when, in, when he was in Ephesus, not just for his, his, himself, but also for all his followers. Uh, and that was hard work for him. Sometimes, I think sometimes we have this view of, uh, of Paul as this kind of pioneer um, who kept everything going with this kind of superhuman strength. And don't and, get me wrong, Paul did amazing things for the gospel, but it was hard work for him just is for any of us. He doesn't want the elders at this point to miss that. or they, you know, if we've seen all that Paul said, I doubt there would be many sitting there thinking this is going to be a doddle. It's hard work. But he knew a truth to keep them going. Look how he ends, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to be, to give than to receive. It's hard work, but it's worth it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed, it's better to keep people going. Eternal salvation depends on it. And so as we stand back uh, and look at these words, I've put them up there in a slightly different way so you can perhaps, uh, you know, cause you to read them again. These are the words that Paul used uh, as his model of ministry for the uh, Ephesian elders to copy, as as his charge to them, proclaiming God's word, those words in pink, through hardship to the point of tears, those words in blue, to keep watch, shepherd, and be on guard. Those words in orange. Now, I don't know if you read when you read those words, and, and think of the uh, the eternal uh, need for doing these things, for who these elders were supposed to be doing it for? Those people of God bought with the blood of Christ. As I've read, and looked to those words this week, as a church leader, I feel the weight of them. If you're a, a leader here, whether of a church, or a small group, this is what we're called to do by the Holy Spirit. We have been given people who have been bought by the blood of Christ to care for them. It's a privilege. Of course it's a privilege to proclaim God's words. That word that builds up and gives inheritance. And it's a responsibility. A responsibility to protect them from false teachers. To help them in their faith. This is a a model that Paul exemplified for all his churches if we look across the New Testament. He proclaimed Christ through his words, through hardships, to the point of tears. He kept watch, he shepherded, he was on his guard. We too as leaders are to proclaim Christ through his words, through hardships to the point of tears, to keep watch, to shepherd, and to be on our guards. Eternal salvation could depend on it. And can I say, as leaders at Platt, this is what we want to do. And we want to do it because we love you. We want to feed and we want to protect you as shepherds. We want to proclaim to you that word that builds up and gives inheritance because our concern for you is your faith, that you would keep going till the end. There is nothing more important than doing that. And you should expect that from us as church leaders. I hope that we uh, can stand here and say that we are leaders who are innocent of the blood of all of you. Because we've given our full effort to continually speaking about the Lord Jesus. And of course there's going to be times where we're not going to quite get it right. There'll be times where you think we might be able to do it better. But this is what we're aiming to do under God's. Because we love you. And we know that God has given you us for to care for each other. So if you're a leader, keep going in this work. And everyone, let's support church leaders in it. Please pray for us. Please listen to us. Please share with us. Please assist us. We need... Your help to be able to fulfil this great responsibility, this huge privilege of looking after the people bought by Christ's blood. That's what we all are. We're all here together to keep going to the end. One of the great things uh, that God has done when He saves us is He saves us together as a people. He saved us to look after each other, and in that he has put leaders to do these things to care for, to love and to protect and to feed. It's what we want to do, and it's not easy. so please help us in it. normally at this point at the end of a sermon. Um, I would close with a prayer. But actually, I want to do it a bit differently tonight. I'd like you to pray for me. Not just me, but all the the church leaders, all the small group leaders um, that we have here. Because we we need it. We've been given this this huge uh, privilege and this huge responsibility. So please pray for us. Not just tonight, of course. Keep praying for us. I you a minute or so to so pray quietly now uh, in your hearts for your for a church leader for your small group leader uh, and then once we've done that uh, the musicians will all start playing and we'll we'll stand and sing but let's spend a moment in prayer